invite Judy to come forward and share our first reading from the prophet Jeremiah. Our scripture reading today is found in Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 to 11, page 1 and 203 in your pew Bibles. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I had intended to do for it. Now therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. Invite Michael to come and share our gospel reading from the book of Luke. This is Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, Whoever comes to me and doesn't hate father and mother, spouse and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, even one's own life cannot be my disciple. Whoever doesn't carry their own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If one of you wanted to build a tower, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to determine whether you had enough money to complete it? Otherwise, when you laid the foundation but couldn't finish the tower, all who see it will begin to belittle you. They will say, here's the person who began construction and couldn't complete it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down to consider whether his 10,000 soldiers could go against the 20,000 coming against him? And if he didn't think he could win, he would send a representative 
to discuss terms of peace while the enemy was still a long way off. In the same way, none of you who are unwilling to give up all of your possessions can be my disciple. Let us pray together. O God, may we stand with St. Peter and boldly proclaim that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This morning, open our hearts to that truth. Help us fall more deeply in love with you, more committed to following you. For you are indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the one sent to save your people. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, in just a few short verses, Jesus manages to touch on just about everything about us, doesn't he? Possessions, family, and your very self. In those few verses, Jesus touches on everything about us and says that if you want to follow me, Be prepared to give up everything. Now, if Jesus uh, were alive today and someone were trying to market Jesus, right? Maybe turn what he said into a slogan. I can't think of anything um, that would really, would would attract people given the message of Jesus. Hey, you want to follow me? Come and die. Boy, that... I wonder how many people that would attract. You want to follow me? Get ready to give up everything. Yeah. Woohoo. You want to follow me? Great. Take all of your possessions, sell it, and give the money to the poor. I can see the people lined up for miles, ready to cash in on that offer. You know, friends, over the last few weeks, we've had these readings from the Gospel of Luke, paired with these readings from the Old Testament prophets who were calling God's people back to faithfulness. And the scripture that Judy read this morning, we have this this beautiful image, right, of, of God wanting to work with his people and shape them and form them into the sort of people that he wants, but they're just not willing. We see that over and over again. And we have these readings from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is teaching on discipleship. In other words, what it means, what it takes, what it entails to follow Him. These two readings uh, are given to to different groups of people. One to the Old Testament Israelites, others to Jesus, a contemporary uh, Jewish and Gentile audience. But the message is the same. Die to yourself in order to find life. Be prepared to give up in order to receive. Stop thinking about yourself. Die to yourself and all of its desires and needs and wants. And in doing so, you will actually find yourself, your true self, the person you were created to be. We have this paradoxical spiritual physics of discipleship that we see over and over and over again when Jesus speaks. And it's no wonder that so few people actually take him up on his offer because this is a hard sell, isn't it? 
How many of us in our comfortable, affluent lives? And friends, we, we live in such an affluent age, don't we? Let's not kid ourselves. How many of us are willing to say no to that and all it entails and say yes the, to the demands of Jesus on our lives? Which says to die to yourself, to take up your We have this beautiful cross, don't we, in our sanctuary? Maybe some of you this morning are, are wearing crosses as a, as a piece of jewelry. And we do that, don't we? How would you feel if you came in next Sunday and the cross that's hanging here was replaced with an electric chair? It would be pretty jarring, wouldn't it? You think you'd notice? Yeah. What if it was replaced instead with gallows? Well, friends, this this image, this central symbol of our Christian faith is a form of Roman capital punishment. It was the most brutal way that the Romans could devise to kill people, particularly political prisoners or people who threatened the state. It was a way to put them to death in the most Humiliating public way is a way to deter others from committing similar acts. It was an instrument of capital punishment. And so when Jesus says to his disciples, take up your cross, I'm sure they looked at him with befuddlement and bewilderment and confusion. Take up our, 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 our cross? You know, when someone would carry the cross... Often in the ancient world, the, the, um, the vertical beams would be there implanted in the ground and they'd be permanent. And the person to be crucified would carry the cross beam to their place of execution. And then either strapped to it or nailed to it, and then they'd be hoisted up, attached to that beam that was already in place in the ground, and there they would die a slow, agonizing death. The cross, even in the ancient world, was a symbol of death. And so Jesus says, do you want to follow me? Die. You have to be willing to die. To yourself, to your desires, and to Jesus, the 12 disciples, all of them, well, we know what happens to Judas. The other 11, according to church tradition, guess what happened to all of them? They physically died. They were martyred. They were killed. Peter was crucified upside down because he did not deem it fit to be crucified in the same position as Jesus. All of them were called to a certain spiritual death, to which all of us are called. But friends, sometimes following Jesus leads to physical death as well. All we need to do is look at the church around the world. And there are people who daily are dying because they've said yes to following Jesus. Following Jesus can cost everything. It can even cost your life. And Jesus, for people who would follow him, he invites them to take stock. We talked about that last week. To sit down with the recipe of what it takes to follow Jesus. To make sure that they're willing and they're able to fulfill every step before saying yes and committing. Dying to possessions, to the things that you have, to the things that you hold on to, to family, 
to yourself. Now, when Jesus says to hate your family, that can seem odd to us, doesn't it? Because Jesus has all this other teaching about how wonderful family is. What does Jesus mean? He doesn't mean to sort of psychologically think about your mom and dad and to hate them. What Jesus is saying is this. Nothing in life, whether it's possessions or family relationships or your own self, can have central place the way that Jesus should. Nothing is of ultimate importance like Jesus and his call on your life. Nothing else matters in that position of ultimate authority and importance than Jesus himself. You see, again, getting back to the spiritual physics of discipleship. When Jesus has his rightful place, when he is Lord over everything, all other relationships find their proper place. Things seem to fall in line. There's a spiritual law to that. That when we hand over to Jesus our lives, when we say yes to him, and when we say no to all those things that would demand our very best from us, and instead we give it to Jesus, everything else falls in line. doesn't mean that life is easy. doesn't mean that, that everything becomes smooth sailing from here on out. But Jesus has promised to honor that. That in doing so, when we live a life of sacrifice and service to God and others, relinquishing control, that we find something. We find grace to help in every time of need. We find mercy that's new every morning. We find a peace beyond understanding. We find a love that holds on to us and will not let us go. So friends, the journey with Jesus is hard, but nothing else in life is worth it. There's no trade-off that compares with following Jesus, with letting go Possessions and family and self. Holding loving, holding lightly to everything else. Loving it for what it is. But giving ultimate place to Jesus Christ. That is the life of a disciple. Amen.